for this time of year. But they walk all year round. Yes. Except they for the very July and August. July and August. But even yeah. winter, like. Certainly in winter. Winter is the nicest possible time. It's never cold and very rarely rain. So. Except maybe for a day so stormy. Yeah. Or a day with such thundering rain. Yeah. But uh, it's lovely. Plenty of bright sunshine. You know, the really bright winter sunshine. And this kind of weather, it's more for mad dogs and Englishmen <laughs> at this time of the year. It's hot now. It's really it hot. Who's just... the water? Here's a nice shade of spot. One of the greatest personal uh, pleasures I have coming out to Port Vange is the proximity of the Pyrenees. I'm a walker in Dublin. I have walking friends. And this is a truly glorious spot. Uh, the Pyrenees are very, very close. They're closer than the Wicklow Mountains would be to Dublin. Uh, they're very steep, so they're quite intimidating to climb. But yet when you get up and you do stop, and the weather is normally glorious... Then you come down, it's downhill, it's straightforward, and really they are stunning mountains. So it was my interest in the mountains made me particularly interested in the, this, this story, which has the mountain as a sort of a, a central theme. The, the leaflet telling um, holidaymakers about the Benjamin story has the map of the actual route on the leaflet with his face, and uh, it immediately pins him to the mountain, the mountain story and it makes anyone who's familiar with mountains or, or attracted to them fascinated with it. Walter Benjamin, a major philosopher of the 20th century, closely linked to those of the Frankfurt School, was born in 1892 in Berlin into a middle-class Jewish family. He studied philosophy at Freiburg University and later became interested in communism. He settled in France in 1933, spent some months in internment in 1939, after he'd got a firm job offer from the United States, attempted to leave France by crossing over the Pyrenees. He died on September 26th in Porbou, Spain, presumed to have committed suicide. I am Anne-Marie Capelli, 
from Geneva and the energy here uh, in the south is very important to me. Who would bother to make it? I think it's the border. Probably, yeah. Do you think so? Oh, but not not the present day border. Maybe one of the movers. Yes, yes. It's like all this area that you bordered moved. That wasn't forward. So, you know, say Perpignan was in Spain and Catalonia. Oh, it's fine. What's Perpignan was in Spain? Yes, it's uh, Catalonia. Catalan means Catalan. Oh, nice. It is. Yeah. They keep, uh, has it ever happened? But the Catalans, as far as Barcelona, they want to make a, a um, separate state. Very emotional when yesterday Kate told me that uh, you are going to uh, to walk on the trail of Walter Benjamin because it's for years that I'm coming in this region and I knew that Walter Benjamin uh, had been buried in, in Porbu. So um, it makes me reflect back uh, to my Paris time when I was in the 80s in Paris for my PhD uh, in history. And I specialized in history of the 19th century, women's history in the 19th century. But for the global understanding of what the modernization uh, at that stage uh, would be the main one of the main references uh, was Walter Benjamin the arcades project Walter Benjamin's great opus Das Passagenwerk the arcades project was drafted over the 1930s in Paris and finally published in 1982 a vast unfinished book of 900 pages based on french quotations and german commentary which attempts to interpret the urban symbolism of 19th-century Paris. It has been described as a series of jottings, the reminiscences of an educated flaneur as he glides silkily through the shopping arcades of late 19th-century Paris. Most people have heard of Benjamin. Very few people will know much about him because he's a very serious scholarly philosopher. He was a German Jew, uh, also a Marxist, so on all counts he was most unacceptable to the Nazi regime. So he left Germany in the 30s and went to France, which was very much his spiritual home, and he settled himself down in the uh, Bibliothèque uh, Nationale in Paris, and that's where he worked and did all his, his serious writing, which really we've heard very little of until he died. It's not generally known. But um, then the war caught up with them, uh, France fell to the Germans and uh, there began to be a sense of Jewish people should get moving. The sad and tragic thing about Walter is if he had only gone in time, he'd have had no problem. Most of his intellectual friends at the time were already making plans to go to America where there were jobs waiting for them. And Walter also had a job more or less promised to him in New York in social research. But he dragged his feet, he hated leaving, he hated making his mind up, and he kept hoping maybe it wouldn't be necessary. Finally, France did fall in 1940, and the German net more or less was tightening, and his friend said, if you don't go, you're not going to get out. His brother, in fact, had already been gone to a concentration camp and died there. Well, if that's Cerbert... Yeah, that's Cerbert. Poor Boo was just in this next little crack here before those hills. So what are we seeing there? That's, that'll be Por de Salva, I think, oh. in Spain. And that's, that's Cap de Kraus. The uh, poor Boo is basically down this 
next little valley. Oh, you can see the road running along the hill. I do, yeah. Well, that's the one going over from Porbu into Spain, down to, uh, well, further down the coast, Calera and Porto Silva type of place. What was um, doing walking over here, uh, Dr. Benjamin? What was he? Uh... He was Jewish, and it was 1940, um, September 1940, and he had an American visa and he had a job in America. All oh, right. So it was a question just of getting there. All oh, right. I don't know if he was seriously worried for his life. So he, he was, was going this way over, not that way. Going yeah, into he was Spain. Into Spain, because yeah. then he would plan to get a train to Lisbon and a boat. Yeah. And uh, then to New York. He seems to be more concerned that he left behind. He had spent a few years in Paris after he left Germany. And he had loads of books there and he had lodged his manuscript. It was latest kind of tome there. And I think it was that he felt that literally there was no life in Europe for him. And it was America or nowhere. He wasn't... He wasn't a very committed Jew in that he didn't really feel he wanted to get to Palestine or anything. No, no. Um, yeah. He had certainly been very interested in Marxism for a certain number of years in the 30s. So he apparently arrived at the door of this woman, Lisa Fitko, who was staying in in Banyols or in... She might have been staying in Port Fond, I'm not sure. But he said, um, I met your husband in internment camp and he said that you'd bring me over the border. And she seems to have said, well, fine, and she... She went to the mayor of Banyuls and uh, he gave her a little sketch and he told her to go, you know, take a practice run. Yes. Go up some afternoon, go the first couple of hours, make sure that she knew the way. Um, you went up by a steep vineyard and then you got to a clearing and then there were seven pine trees and you took a right turn here. Yeah. Oh, I see. All right. He had a heart condition, he had very bad feet and he had never taken exercise in his life. So he was in an abominable condition. Anyway, Lisa Fitko said, all right, you know you'll have to climb a serious mountain. It'll be very tough, but I'll help you and you'll do it. He said, yes, he would. He then asked her, would she take another couple of people he had met with him, another Jewish couple, a mother and her son, whose father had been already killed in the war. And so that little party, Lisa uh, Henny Gurland and her son Jose, who were the other two, and Walter, set off one day in September in 1940. The length of the trip was about 16 kilometres, and in fact it did take them about 10 hours. It was an absolutely murderous trip. They, they did a little reconnoitring of the place, and the idea was that they'd do some of it one day, then go back, get properly started, and do it all the next day. However, Walter was so uh, alarmed at how difficult it was for him, difficult breathing, he had to take little rests, he was toting his briefcase, that when they got to the first stopping-off point where they were just going to take a general look and then go back, he said, I really won't go any further, he said. I'll stay here and wait for you tomorrow. And she protested. She said, you really can't stay in the mountain by yourself all night. He said, no... I don't think I can go back and do it again. So she left him there and he settled down to what has been described as a little clearing where she'd know where to find him. And he settled in for the night. And then the following morning, Lisa and Henny and Jose, the mother and son, 
joined him again in the dawn and they took up the walk from there. Plenty. Hold on, we'll see which one. Another. We'll take these out. Oh, I have a piece of the pan with these out. How much water have you, Francis? I have about a third of a bottle. I can give you some. No, where's the empty bottle gone? Oh, you have this one. There, yeah, can you just put a little bit in the empty one now? Okay. <laughs> in the, the dawn of 3 a.m. Yeah, your bad feet, and you know they had no boots. Just had I'm sure he just wore his normal clothes. You know, Henny Gorlan, his suit. Cuban heels. Cuban shoes she had. She had the. You know those classic little blocky high heels. Nous sommes quatre compagnons qui s'en vont faire leur tour de France, de Franche-Comté, de Normandie, de Bretagne et de Lyon. Savez-vous pas que l'ordinaire s'en va toujours à reculons, s'en va toujours à reculons? Cars in the marsh in the yard there. Oh, there's Port Boo. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's Saber. That's Saber. Port Boo is over the next hill. And that's yeah. where you can see starting a walk there. That'd be the tunnel going through. Yeah. And there's the cemetery outside it, you see. And you'd, I take it you'd move away from the town to get into these hills. Seems very near, doesn't it? So that's a, a, a tower, is it? That's a, a fireman's. Would this, oh, would this right. be to fight a big fire on the, the bracken? Yes, yes, brush. they come in yeah. up there in summer. They're yeah. up there a lot, uh, looking all over yes. the... Yes. Well, they check for a little fields. smouldering. Yeah, see if anything, you know, try and get it... Uh, uh, well, do they just come up in a, in their their jeeps and yes, check? Yes, four by four, sort of thing. Yeah. Come on. Only that, as they say. We have another name for the tower because they have mixed fire crews in here. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> well, we call it the Souvenirs Tower. I shouldn't say we don't have to do this. That's ideal, though. Now I can see. Anyone coming up to the tower? Yes, he's a bit, half of, an hour. bit of privacy. Half an hour, yes. The, the great her heroic figure in this is really Lisa Fitko, uh, who, with her husband Hans, were very remarkable people because and they were just as, as needing to, to, to go into exile as Walter. But a man called Varian Fry, who was identified with helping French resistance workers and refugees. He asked, after the, the Benjamin episode, he asked Lisa Fitko, would she stay on in Banyuls for maybe a year and take people up on a regular basis? This route that she had chosen, you see, was, was a, a, a one which had been discovered in the Civil War with 
when when Spaniards were coming the other way, when Spaniards who were on the wrong side of the civil war, they had to come over the same mountains, but this time they were coming from Spain up to France. And this particular route, which is not the ordinary track, but it's semi-hidden and it has a lot of cover in it, this had been discovered. So it was called the Lister route after a general in Spain. The most distinguished person who had come the other way was Antonio Machada, who is buried in Collure, a little village here also, and they had come up. Now, Lisa and Hans did magnificent work. They brought people, sometimes three times a week, they brought people up to the top of the Spanish border and they released them down and all of those people um, arrived safely in America. So nowadays, very recently, in the little town I mentioned, Banyols, where, where the whole walk starts, uh, they have chosen a, a corner just in a quiet little residential district, but it is very close to the very point where you started off up the vineyards. They have erected a charming memorial to Lisa and Hans. This is, this is quite new, apparently. Now that little gate should be open. It's rather funny, strange. It's very, and the reason I'll show you the reason for the suburb because it's this is where you would go down the hill for the first steps of the walk. Cela allait de soi en mémoire de Lisa et Hans Fitko et tous les autres. Entre septembre 1940 et avril 1941, ils guidèrent eux-mêmes menacés des persécutés du régime nazi à l'autre côté des Pyrénées. Leur action courageuse sauva de nombreuses vies humaines. To the memory of Lisa and Hans Fitko and all the many others. Yes. From September 1940 to April 1941, they led, yes. even though they were themselves uh, menaced, at their own menaced risk. Yes, at their own risk. Mm -hmm. the, the, those the, persecuted by the Nazi regime uh -huh. to the other side I of the Pyrenees. Mm -hmm. Their courageous action mm -hmm. saved numerous mm -hmm. human lives. It's almost like a chapel, but it isn't. <laughs> Look, hmm? it looks almost like a chapel, but it is a transformation <laughs> center for electricity. <laughs> oh, la, la. <laughs> See, this, we're on the very edge of the little village. So this is where they would hope to mingle with the yes. vineyard workers. You see, you see the vineyards ahead. It only go as far as you see where it turns into a trap. Uh, they didn't really have any problems about anyone seeing them. The problems all came in the terrain. It got very steep and it got very hot because it does still in September once the sun comes up. Walter could only walk for about 10 steps and take breath and then take another. They really wondered could he do it. He insisted that if they let him do it like this, he'd get there. But he was in very poor condition. His, he was breathing very hard and he was sweating. Uh, but they gave him help. At one point, the young man, Jose and Lisa, actually, one very steep vineyard, 
she has written, written a very good description of it, and she said they had to really take him and drag him up. But they made it right up to the top, to the, to the border between France and Spain, which comes near Port Boo, very, very geographically an extraordinarily beautiful place, wild mountain, and then you're looking down at this Asia Mediterranean, and you're looking at the tiny little coastal villages. So they were able to see that, in fact, they, they, they had only to drop down. At this stage, Lisa Fitko said, look, I have to go back now, because she wasn't going into Spain with them. She was going back to continue this work with other refugees. So you're on your own. And they got down, Walter in poor condition, but he had survived it. And they got down and walked into Port Boo. And they were expecting really now that all the problems would be over. According to Henny Gourland, she arrived in Porbu on the afternoon of September 25th with her son José and Walter Benjamin. They went to the authorities to have their entry visas stamped. After an hour, they were informed that people without nationality, as they were classified, were no longer permitted to enter into Spain. They would be returned to France the following morning. They were allowed to spend the night at a hotel, though under guard. Walter, who had, had for a long time, had been carrying with him a dose of morphine so that if there was ever any chance that he was going to be sent back uh, to Germany, he would take it. He assumed this, his, his, his day had come, or his night, and he quietly decided he wasn't going to wait for the police to come in the morning. So during that night, he took his morphine. So this is where he actually... This was where he died that night. There were four rooms upstairs. Gosh, it's fairly, it's fairly grim now. Yeah, it's grim then too, And his I body think. was found under... And his... Well, no, he actually staggered in. Oh, with Henny Gerland, he called her, didn't he? He called her. And I'd and taken a, the morphine, And there was yeah. a professor who was already in the building, and he said, I'll look after. to go into the museum here, are you? Uh, yes, I, we were just checking our knowledge of Catalan because it said in Catalan it's open from Mondays to Fridays and we had to ask some locals because Spanish is a bit different from, from Catalan but now we are sure that there should be somebody in there but uh, uh, we, ha we are patient. You've already been up to the cemetery, have you? Yes, we have, and I think it's a really a breathtaking place. It is a, a unique mixture between landscape, scenic views, and the commemoration of, uh, of, a, of a very special man, about whom I have to admit I, I know too little, but um, the name rings a bell. I... The Port Boo authorities took over a large room in an old school, and they decided this would be the Benjamin Sala, or its now begun to be called the casa, which means house, but it's really only a room at this point. In this room, they have put every form of 
of souvenir. They've put um, the cuttings of the day. They've put a model of the hill. They've put a model of the monument. Uh, they've put the, all the documentation which went with his death and from the doctors and so on and what he left behind. And uh, it's very interesting. It's run by um, a man called Ari Bass, who is sort of curator. So he starts off, and he was kind of the Berlin yes. academic... And a rich boy, a very well, well-to-do family. Yes. yes. And, and he really... Yes, there's a little Oh, yes. yes. But doesn't seem to have to worry ever about getting a job. Well, no. there was a lot of... I think he was hoping his parents would support him a lot. He suddenly gets old there. It was a very pleasant stay. It was nice <laughs> meeting you. Enjoy your stay. Thank you very much, Thank so. Very much. Bye. Good luck. This is very old. Look, they're actually building. But these are the, 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 the huge train lines. Gosh, it was very real. Look yes. at the yeah. that yeah. cartoon figure yes. of the two yes. guys being yes. shot by firing squad. Against, against the wire. So this is all civil war yes. stuff. And yes. Still 1939, refugees. That will be the Spanish Civil War still coming north. Um, look at the poverty of the place. Yeah. Very, very Spanish. Here's the very street we're in. Look. This was an old school, apparently. To see it. Yeah. This is the certificates again. Is it thing from, from that's, that? They were There's his letter job. confirming, and that was in May 1940. Yes. yes, so that was his David so that's that what galvanised him into. Yeah, you Did they mention a salary? You have anything? the advantage of confirming to us your affiliation to the institute. They've said yes, you can have yeah. the job. No, they don't mention money. You have, you have uh, conceded at our demand to read your, your uh, studies in what? Oh, yes, in the history, in of, the history the, uh, of the manifestation of yes. the intellectual life in France, particularly yeah. of the literature of the 19th century, yeah. which is, of course, yeah. is part of your work. fruitful research has already been published in the organ of our institute. And this is still uh, more curious. I think that's the... Yeah. Is that the cost? That's, that's, that's the prize. That's the cost, Is yes. that the cost of the... Of oh, and look, there he is down as Benjamin, Benjamin Walter. Walter, yes, yeah. yes. So what was it? It was 313 pesetas. It doesn't sound like a lot. No, <laughs> no he, he, had, he was left with a sum of money, about 75 of our pounds now, and that paid for his burial and everything. Unless this is, actually, that could be it here. But you see there, for yes. five years, mm. for the inter- interring of yes. D. Benjamin Walter, yes. for you, five years, years, and it's 90... And it's 93, 93. in all. And Henny Gurland paid for that with the money with in his money, pocket. Yes. And that's his bill, his hotel bill, with the two phone calls on it, curiously. No one knows who he made them to, but he had two phone calls on his hotel bill. Are people gasping for coffee? It's a nice coffee 
So these are all little vaults? Yeah. yeah they're numbered? Not, they're not graves, they're little slots. Sliding vaults. You see, in this rocky territory, you can't dig graves very easily. Where is the little stone for... Oh, I'll show oh, you. that's, we haven't got to that oh, yet. Oh, yeah, that's the centrepiece of the whole thing. Now, yeah. right down here. Walter's grave is number 563 of right. number one. So, Walter uh, <coughs> Benjamin, Berlin 1892 to Port Bou 1940. As is Niemals and Dokumente Kultur, Design. So he wrote that, and I think it means there's never a document of culture which is not also at the same time a document of barbarism. Yeah. So it's very symbolic. So, yeah. The cemetery, as I said, is, is, is a particularly striking place. It's on a headland, uh, a small cemetery made up of little white painted tombs, not graves, which will each take a coffin, and people buy one of these. So it's very striking because it hangs straight, looks straight down on this glorious blue sea, and it's looking, really, it's already in Spain, and it's looking across back at France. This is all steel, but yeah. it has been allowed to to get this rusty colour. <laughs> Look at the colour of that stone. Yeah. It's just wonderful. Yes. It's a bit that's, like a scanner yeah. slate, isn't it? Yeah, that's the code for my, all this stuff. All that terracotta yeah. colour. Is terracotta this to red. Vermilion, yeah. 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 Look there. The woman, Henny, who had his his money, not much, she was taking care of the money when he was ill, she paid for a, a grave and he was put into a little niche that had a number on it, like 563. The other curious thing is that the Spanish got confused about his name. He seemed to have a name which could you could turn it back to front and it still made sense. It could have been Benjamin Walter. And they thought it was that because he had written it in that form. He had put a surname and a comma and his, his Christian name. Uh, so they, and they, all the documentation says that this man, Benjamin Walter, died in Port Boo. And that's what it said even on his tomb. So they assumed he was Catholic. And the little cemetery was a Catholic cemetery, basically, and then it had an add-on bit, which was people for people of other faith. But Walter, in fact, was buried in the Catholic bit because of that assumption. And five years later, as no one had ever uh, continued to pay a rent, the French style is that after five years, a grave must be repaid for, um, they removed his body and it went to the common grave, which is not even generally known. So, in fact, there is, there is not a grave of Walter, but, of course, when the whole story of the after the war, when friends and Jewish friends began to come, there was, uh, it was announced that there would be a formal memorial. And they said it should be a rather important memorial. So they got a very distinguished Jewish sculptor called Danny Caravan, who has done a lot of work around the world. And he came to Port Bou and he looked at the site and he designed an extraordinary and very striking monument, which is called Passage Inn. Are there 85 steps? We'll count them going up, yeah. So at the end of these steps, there's a glass panel, and we're looking out 
at this beautiful bit of sea, but quite rough and rocky. And the, the single whorl, it's a curious little... little yeah. It says the English on the bottom. Oh, good. Let's see. It's more arduous to honour the memory of the nameless than that of the renowned. Historical construction is devoted to the memory of the nameless. The, the glass isn't cleaner, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is badly. Badly. And then these steps, which you can't obviously access, where yes. you're going literally straight yes, down. straight down. 88 steps. Yes. 88 steps. 70 to here, and then the bottom is 88. And you notice the ground gives out after there. And that's... You have open air here. So it was literally carved out of the hillside. carved out of the hillside. I think it took about three years, really, from the conception to yeah. the, the finish. And I suppose all the, the symbolism of the passage yeah. and the border crossing and the... No, at first, this is another thing. Caravan, as far as I understand, at first was very tempted to put his monument up on the top hill and to have it include the, the wire, which is the perimeter of the, of the, the plot, because he felt that the wire had its own very important symbolism. But then he decided against this. But you, he still has a place which is a sort of an outlook. And you look down on the whole site, including a wire fence. That olive tree is, is, was very symbolic. It's old, it has been beaten about by the wind for years and years, and it survives. So this is the fairly, um, it's quite a discreet little sign for, for the uh, passage and the homage, isn't it? Yeah. Danny Caravan's Place of Remembrance, Passage has been established at the Spanish border town Port Boo in memory of Walter Benjamin, 1892, Berlin, 1940, and Port Boo, and European exiles in the years between 1933 and 1945. This place was jointly financed by the Federal Republic of Germany and by Government of Catalonia with organisational assistance from Arbeitskreis... Arbeitskreis Selbstständiger Kulturinstitut in Bonn, so... The project was also supported by private donors whom the organisers warmly thank. And then yeah. these are the actual parts of it. So the first yeah. part is the the swirling water waves and rocks. Yeah. That was the bit mm. we saw at the end yes, of the Yes, that was shows. There it is. Look, you see the three little there's three little sources of mm. swirling water. And then the corridor with the eighty five yeah. steps which we walked down. When and I said the olive tree yes, is officially part of it. It is, yes, but they all are. Yeah. And now look And then we we stood on that platform which had the which, barbed wire in yeah. front of it. Yeah. And then the grave of Walter, Walter Benjamin no, niche number five six three. But all we can say is there is such a grave, but there's no mark yes. on it because it was only his grave for that length of time. And then the plaque there. And the plaque. 
the plaque to his tomb. Yes. See, there's the tomb. A, there it is. Don't put that plaque. Oh, the plaque that is was where the, the, the nice piece of stone with yes. the uh, sort of cross shaped on the ground. So the yes. whole thing is really yes. the, the monument. Yeah. Uh, I am from Irish Radio and I'm making a radio programme on Vulture Benjamin. Mm-hmm. And I've just been up, I've been to the little Casa Benjamin and I've been to the cemetery and the, the monument. Would you talk to me a little bit about do many people come through? Are they interested? Yes. They are interested, yeah. yes, but overall, um, German student people, the English and French, not at all. Overall, uh, German people. And is that because of of the Jewish connection or the philosophy or? From time to time, I find some Jewish uh, Jewish connection because they come from uh, anyway. I don't know, and so the history of Jewish. Uh, it's important, it's important for them, yes. They visit the, the cemetery, the, the monument, and they visit the, yeah, the, the real museum, that's all. And was it mostly in the summer? Do you get people all year round? Or? All the, during all the year, because I'm, I work here during the winter also, and they come for, for this. They visit anything we have about Benjamin. And are they, do they know that there are plans to make a, a bigger museum? Yes, this is the idea. But uh, the idea from, from Danny Caravan and his friend, uh, Mr. Foster. It depends on the government's uh, health from, from Europe. I don't know. It will need a lot of money. Um, yes, really. <laughs> really. It's a big, uh, a big building. and It will be hard. <laughs> it will be very interesting, but uh, we need the money for to do the, all these things. You know? Increasingly, the Benjamin uh, story is becoming almost the main reason for visiting Port Boo. So the authorities now have planned a major building, which will be a memorial building, and a very major architect, who is Norman Foster, is designing it. And this, in a couple of years, will be a very striking monument. Everything is so early this year. Incredible. And would the Pyrenees be special for some certain types of plants? Um, well, this immortal, really, I think. I've never seen them elsewhere. These tiny little yellow ones. Yes, yes. They're nice. They're special. And also, when you come at Easter, you have these ones. They are all in flower with a uh, with a very soft pink flower. Oh, beautiful! Every part of the uh, year has another color. Mm. Now it's almost the end of the flowering. So, well, what you can see here is the um, the blackberry. Is it? Yeah, with ah, little violet are, flowers. Yeah, these are nice, and they are on now. But other flowers are. It's almost the end. And when you come here, end of the summer, everything will be dry, dry, dry. Crisp, dry. Yeah. Like it's like a desert when you come mm. at the end of the summer. For me, as a historian, 
coming from sociology, not being uh, attached to one single academic discipline. I love him because he also is on the border of disciplines. He is philosopher, uh, literature person. I mean, he, he didn't want to define himself for one discipline. And I think that is wonderful. This is the way we should think. It should be like an osmosis between fields of work and research fields and not, you know, become an expert in one, but be open to different viewpoints on the same reality. And that, I think, is one of the big richness of, of this philosopher. Now, if we take our last photo, would you take the three of us? I will. Okay, and... Last uh, job. I'll sit down and sit down one on the right. Yeah, it'd be nice. You just got the, uh, the peak in the background. That might be nice. <laughs> She's calls it. Lovely. The writer Hannah Arendt described Walter Benjamin in this way. His erudition was great, but he was no scholar. His subject matter comprised texts and their interpretation, but he was no philologist. He was greatly attracted, not by religion, but by theology, but he was no theologian, and he was not particularly interested in the Bible. He was a born writer, but his greatest ambition was to produce a work consisting entirely of quotations. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.